Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as our guest speaker delivers this week's message. I tell you, it is so good to be back with you here uh, at Calvary Baptist. And let's get the elephant out of the room real quick. I am sorry that we took your pastor. (laughs) Not really. Not really. Um, I've had a couple of people say, yeah, great job coming in here and taking our pastor. I I want you to know I have been talking to your pastor and, and pastor's wife for about 12 years about missions. Um, not that I've been trying to encourage them to come to missions. They come to me and ask me, about, they've been asking me questions before they were even pastor at your church. And so this has been a long process for them. And uh, I tell you, I've, I've been where they are. I know what it's like to step out in faith and to leave a church that they love, which we did, and, and, and to leave people that you love and to step out in faith, knowing that you had something, you know, that is permanent, and now you're, you're out. It's like you, you're, you're basically kind of starting over. They're having to raise their supports. And be praying for them. Um, this is not a really great time to, to raise support right now with the, the, the pandemic. So be praying for, for Steve and Shelly. We're excited for them. I know they're going to be leaving in a couple of weeks. Um, to go to, to Africa of all places. Why in the world Africa? Uh, and so, but you know, I tell you, God has, has blessed them. He's blessed you. And, and I will tell you this, um, it, it says a lot about a church that sends their pastor and, and pastor's wife out to be missionaries. And I will tell you this, God's going to bless you for that. I guarantee you that he will bless this church. And um, we've been, we, I've been praying with them for a long time about this. Um, I was sharing, I think, with, uh, yesterday um, with Joe and Vicki about when we, went, we took on a trip down to, to Haiti. And when I was there, God was speaking to him then. And I thought at then he wanted to stay in Haiti. And I'm like, do you know what Haiti's like? Um, and so your, your, your pastor had a heart for missions, and, um, and it shows. And so, but pray for them, but we're excited about that. And um, I just want to share with you just quickly, I, I'm not going to be preaching this morning on missions. Um, I'm actually going to be preaching on something that's been on my heart. Can I, can I just be honest with you this morning, how... How God has just really spoken to me in the last two weeks about prayer. And I know two weeks ago, um, the pastor that came in to, to preach for, with you um, talked about prayer. Mine's not going to be anywhere like n- near what he is. But I just want to tell you, you know, uh, each one of us goes through so many difficulties in our life that without prayer and without God, I don't know how people make it. I really don't. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to be honest with you this morning, share with some stories about what I've been through in the last two weeks. Um, but just real quickly, I want to share with you a little bit about manna, what's taking place with manna. You know, with the pandemic happened March last year, uh, last year alone, um, it, it happened actually while we were meeting, um, in our meeting, everything blew up at our meeting. I was actually leaving that Friday to take a trip. All of our trips last year from that time on were canceled. I had 20 trips out of the country um, were canceled. Um, I had 18 churches that canceled me. You know you know what took place in churches and, and everything during the pandemic and how it's still going on. Um, and so we've been having to do things a little bit differently. 
Um, but my territory, Central America and the Caribbean, I oversee about 80 projects. Most of our projects are shut down right now. I mean, not able to meet, and a lot of the churches are not able to meet. Um, most of our my feeding centers, they are, they're having to come or, or actually take food to the families. Um, we don't cook food. Um, we're, we're buying groceries, and that's how we're distributing food to all the, the families that we've been dealing with. So it's totally different. You know, we think we have problems here. Around the world, it's so much different. So many problems with um, uh, how COVID has taken and just really shut countries down. Uh, in the last year and a half, I've only taken two trips. Um, I'm ADHD. I have to be somewhere every single week. And, um, and so it was, and I want to share a story about last year of how it was, I went through a six and a half month period where I didn't leave my house other than to go to the grocery store. And for somebody that's used to being gone every single week, it was tough. And, and so, but things are starting to pick up a little bit. I, like I said, I've been in two countries. I just went to the two countries just to check on some projects. I really didn't take a whole lot of people with me. I went to Honduras and Guatemala. Uh, it's hard to get into countries. It's hard to get out of countries with COVID testing and everything. Um, but God is still blessing throughout all of this. We realize that God is still on the throne. He understands what we're going through. He understands what this church is going through right now. And so we're excited. I'm excited for what is going to take place here at Calvary Baptist Church. And the direction that you're going to be going um, depends, I'm going to tell you this, are you listening to me? Depends on the prayer of the church. The man of God that he has in store for you depends on your prayer for him. I love it. When my wife and I, we're in March, we'll be married for 42 years. And when my wife and I met, she was 18, and she told me right before we got married, here's what she said, I had been praying for you since I was 13 years old. And she said, I prayed that God would bring me the man that he wants me to have. My wife is a prayer warrior. She, every single morning, she's got a prayer journal um, I'll, I'll share a story in just a minute. I mean, I'm sitting down here. Excuse me for, I'm, I'm texting in church while the music's going, but um, I have a sister right now that's in emergency surgery. So you pray. Um, but my wife wanted me to know that she was praying for me and praying for her. And so, um, but it, it's, it's, it's a very serious surgery. So if you'll pray for her, her name is Pam. She had surgery two weeks ago, and she's got internal bleeding really bad. So, but she's in surgery right now. But prayer depends, the pastor that you're going to be bringing in depends on the prayer of the church. And so when Joe called me this past week, and, you know, we, we started talking, and he asked me about if I could come because he had a cancellation today. And I had just this, this week open. And so I knew when you asked me, Joe, that God had a purpose for me to be here. And what I've been going through for the last two weeks in, in my prayer life, and I realized that hopefully this morning we can realize in each one of our lives the importance of prayer. I, can't, I couldn't even come up here and speak to you this morning, church, if my heart was not right with God. Praying and asking God to give me the words that he wants me to give to you. And I guarantee you, there's people in this congregation this morning that are hurting too. I guarantee it. 
you're going through some trials. You're going through some struggles. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to, to James this morning. And James is a book, when he wrote the book, it deals with two different things. First and foremost, it deals with faith, that God is in control of everything. And then by doing that, praying that God, through the faith that we have, will take care of our problems and our situations and, and things that we're worrying about. And, you know, we're going to talk to you this morning a little bit about, you know, what it means to pray for a pastor, pray for situations. And I'm just going to real quickly go through just some, we're going to, we have a specific passage in, in James chapter 5 that I want to read, but I'm just going to read a, just a few verses. Um, James chapter 1, verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. It goes on saying, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith work is patience. I'm telling you the last week, I'm going to share you some stories patience, you know, even in my own life and the things that's going, going, that's taking place uh, in daily struggles, patience. Verse five says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally that abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Asking God, you know, it's so hard sometimes for us as Christians to stop what we're doing and pray for a situation that we're going through, but you know what? Other people are going through. You know, I, every single one of us have issues that need prayer, and, and God wants us to pray for it. But sometimes we just don't take the time to pray and ask God for situation. Um, and verse 12 says, Blessed is a man that endureth temptation. Verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Verse chapter 4, verse number uh, 2, the latter part, says, You have not because what? You ask not. We have not because we ask not. Now I want you to look at our text, and it's found in chapter number 5. And it talks about three different types of people here this morning. Okay? Three different types of people. And if you look down in verse number 13, in my Bible, uh, right before verse 13, it says this, faith prays for the afflicted. Faith prays for the afflicted. Now, in verse 13, we're going to read down through verse number 18. It says, if any of you among you are afflicted, let him pray. And then it goes on and says, if any of you are merry, let him sing psalms. If any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the Lord, of the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. And I love this last part, and we're going to talk about this. It says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The importance of prayer. And in that particular section, it talks about three types of people. Three types of people. The first one it says there in verse number 13, is any among you afflicted or is any of you this morning suffering? Suffering. 
I'm going to ask you a question this morning. How many of you would raise your hand and say, and you don't have to tell me what, but how many raise your hand this morning and say something this morning, I'm suffering and then I'm afflicted about something that is going on right now in my life? Raise your hand. Look around. Probably three quarters of the people raised their hand this morning, that there is something going on in your life. You know, I just wrote down some things. And I wrote down job, marriage, money, health, children, economy, COVID restrictions. I mean, all these different things are things that are happening in people's lives. And I could go list after list after list after list. And what does it say that we do if you're afflicted or if you're suffering? It says, let him what, church? Pray. We need to pray for those things. Now, I want to share with you just what I'm going through, but before I do that, I want you to look at the next type of person this morning. It's real quick. It says, are any of you merry? Which means, are any of you like everything's going great in your life? I will tell you probably two and a half, three weeks ago, I could say I was in that position. I didn't have a worry I had nothing going on in my life. I'm praising God. I'm telling him, you know, things are going great. Be careful because something is about to happen when you get to that point. But I was there. It's like I, my wife and I were sitting at the morning, you know, table. You know, things are going really, really great. You know, we've, we've got our, our daughter home. We haven't seen her. And, and you know, she hadn't been home in eight years. And I'm going to tell a story about her in just a few minutes. Everything was going great. And then all of a sudden, things started happening. Um, we get a phone call two weeks ago. I have a daughter that works for Disney World, and she's been there for two years. And she works in their marketing department, and she calls us at 11.30 at night. And her roommate is on the phone with us, and she can't breathe. And she's rushing her to the hospital. I'm 1,200 miles away. Just the day before, we're talking about how everything is great. <laughs> and all night long, my wife and I, guess what we did? We prayed. We fervently, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth month. She got to the hospital. She has double pneumonia. She tested negative for COVID, but she was in and out of the hospital for 10 days. And praise the Lord, she's doing much better. But for 10 days, we worried. We prayed. We, we brought her to the throne. We just said, God, please. You know, we almost got into our vehicle and we drove to Florida. We, we, we were just you know, so close to having to leave and all those things. And I mean, it just started affecting us. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden, I, 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 last week, I, I, got a, I got a notification from a pastor, um, it, one of our pastors that we work in down in, in uh, Guatemala and El Dorado. And I've got a picture of him, the pastor. And once you see, look at this picture right here that he is. There he is. He caught COVID. And, um, and this was just, it just pulled out and says, please pray. Please pay, pray for Pastor Jairo. Um, he's sick. His family's sick. And, I mean, he's home, but he's just not doing good. Praise the Lord, he's doing better today. But I got this right after all this with my daughter. And I fervently started praying for Pastor Jairo and realized, you know, the importance of him. And, 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 then, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, 
something happened with my daughter that lives with us. Now, I want to tell you a quick story. I want you to look at this girl right here. There's a picture of a little girl. Isn't she the adorable little girl? This is Sierra. And if you can see, that was in 1996. Um, my wife and I, um, we thought we couldn't have kids. We, we prayed for kids, and we tried to have kids. We lost one child. And almost 10 years, nine and a half years into marriage, this little girl showed up. <laughs> we, we were able to have her. And six years later, we had our second one. Well, this little girl, she's, um, let me see, she was, so this is in 96. So she was six years old then. And, um, and so she always wanted to be a doctor. And so she decided to um, go to school. It was dress-up day, what you wanted to be. And so this was her in 1996. And, and this is her in the next picture. This is her today. And she is a doctor. And um, she's an anesthesiologist. We're so excited for her. She's been in school for, kids, listen to this, 12 years. Um, 12 years she's been in school. We've been praying for her, and we're so excited for her. And uh, she, she, she just graduated when she actually finished her residency in June. She moved home. She took a job in our city at uh, Trinity Mother Francis Hospital as an anesthesiologist. And we're so excited to have her. And then this past week, she comes home, and she told us that, Dad, um, we're so shorthanded, um, we're gonna, I'm going to have to work at least one possibly two shifts a week in the COVID ICU unit. All of a sudden, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I started praying. And so about six, seven hours before I got on a plane and came here, I stayed up the night and waited for her. And we sat and talked and I prayed with her. And, and so she told me, she said, Dad, it's awful. And she goes, I just, it's just, it's so terrible. Those people are suffering so much. And she said, I just wish there was some way that I could tell people, you know, to, to you know, whatever we can do to get rid of this terrible COVID that's passing around so much. I don't know how it is here, but it's rampant in Texas right now. But it made me realize the importance of this particular passage and how important it is to know that I have a God that I can go to and I can pray and I can pray for my daughter on a daily basis, which I do. And I don't always are on those merry times, but I have, a, I have a God that when I have difficulties, when I have struggles and I have things that are bothering me, God releases that. And then, like I said, last night at 1130, I get a phone call from my mom and they've rushed my sister to the hospital. And so she's texting me this morning. And so I'm going through this right now. And the doctor said, once she's out, it's going to be at least a four month recovery of what they're going to have to do today. And I'm thinking, you know, here's my mom living with my, my, my daughter takes care of my mother. I mean, my, my sister takes care of my mother living two and a half hours away. And I'm like, God, I don't understand this. And he says, okay, Chuck, I just want you to know I'm in control. I realize what you're going through. I want you to come to me and share those requests. And that's what I've been doing for the last two weeks. I've been sharing, God, you know, I, I give all these things to you. And as I sit here and I watch how God's going to be protecting this daughter of mine, he's going to protect my sister. He's going to protect um, my daughter in Florida. He does all these things, but it's because of, of 
our ability and my ability to give my request to him. And then it goes on to the last part there. It says, verse 14, are any of you sick among you? You know, there, and, and then it says there, it goes on to say, let him call the elders of the church. There are times, and I will tell you this, and you may be at one of these times, there are times in our daily walk with God that it's just not enough for me to pray. I need somebody to pray for me. And you need somebody to pray for you. And I don't know where you stand. I will tell you this. Last year, I needed just that. I told you I was, for six and a half months, I didn't leave. Now, I will tell you this. I got into a very deep depression. Anybody ever been that way? Just depressed? I mean, I've been, I tell you, I don't, I don't, I've never done that before. I've never been there before. To where I wanted to travel, I couldn't travel. I felt like I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. I would pray, God, take this away. Let me travel again. Let me do what you called me to do. It's like it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I had a dear friend of mine. His name is Bradley Spear. He pastors in Amarillo, Texas. He called me up and he said this. He said, Chuck, what's going on? Where are you right now? And I said, Bradley, I'm in a really deep place right now. I'm having really difficult times. Here's what he said. Chuck, what are you doing this weekend? I said, I'm not going anywhere, Bradley. He said, yes, you are. He said, I'm sending you a ticket. I'm flying you to Amarillo. And so I flew to Amarillo. I spent three days with him. And let me tell you what he did. He loved on me. He prayed over me. The church prayed over me. It was like the most refreshing thing that ever happened to me. I've never experienced anything like that before. But God, a man in Amarillo, Texas, saw that a man was sick. And it said there that the elders, the church, got together. You know, it comes to the point with times where you may find people in your church that need just that. Three years ago, my pastor uh, at the church that we attend got diagnosed with cancer. And, um, and the church just had an all-out prayer meeting. We laid hands on him. We prayed one after another, and that cancer miraculously went away from him. Sometimes we need to pray for people when there's no other person that would pray for them. So those are the three types. So, you know, when I, I wrote down some things. So what is prayer? What is prayer? Listen to these. Prayer is we. we actually requesting to speak with God himself in heaven. I mean, when we pray, when I was praying just a few minutes ago, I always pray before I get up and speak. I say, God, when I get up to speak, please let the words that come out of my mouth not be my words, but your words. And I always pray that prayer before I get up to speak. And I realize when I'm praying, I'm actually speaking to God in heaven. Yes, he's here with me, but I'm taking my request to the throne of God and realizing that when we pray, that's exactly what we're doing. We're taking our request to heaven itself and actually requesting that. And how awesome is that to think that we are praying and we are communicating with God himself. Listen to this. The one thing I love about prayer is that it goes where people can't. Prayer goes where people can't. We're asking God to release his will from heaven 
to earth. My wife, as I said, I mean, she keeps a prayer journal. I don't keep, I wish I kept a prayer journal. She's really good at that. But she's got a huge journal every morning. She, she brings those requests. She's in prayer at least an hour every single morning. And when something is answered, she'll always put, God answered it, and on this particular date. And if you look through that prayer journal, she prays for specific things. Anytime she hears somebody needs prayer, she'll write it down in her prayer journal. She'll start praying. If she hears that that prayer is answered, she'll write it down here and the date that it's answered. You go through her prayer journal. You'll look through it and you see so many prayers but more importantly you see so many prayers that were answered and the dates that they were answered prayer prayer is not is a lifestyle it's not just an event you know sometimes we get so caught up in prayer like for dinner and we just pray lord thank you for this food ask your blessing upon it bless our evening bless our day give us a good night amen And we realize that we've just said an event and we didn't really take our prayers to God. When we pray, we leave the physical and we actually go to the spiritual. And church, right now, the the history of this church goes way back. How many years is this church? Anybody know how old this church is? How many? 75 years. A lot of history. A lot of history. I don't know about you, but I, I think the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And to think about it, it depends who the next pastor is. Now, I don't know about you, but that's cause for prayer. Okay? That's cause for prayer. Um, and I want to tell you a story about that man that we saw that was sick, Pastor Hiro. I'm going to tell you a quick story about him. Pastor Hiro. Um, we, we actually started, we built this building, we're in El Dorado, and, um, and so we had already built the building, we want to start a feeding center, and we, just, we decided we're not going to start a feeding center until we get a pastor. And for four months, four months, we prayed, and just like it's just, I mean, nobody, we couldn't find anybody to, to pastor, national pastor this particular church. And I'll never forget, we were down there, and there was a church, and it's actually called Calvary Baptist Church. It's in Grand Prairie, Texas. And this pastor, while we were there, we were, some of you have been to our, uh, our hotel that we have down in Antigua. Um, it was raining, it was thundering, it was lightning, and um, we, were, we were having our evening devotion, and the pastor said, he goes, he, there was about 13 of us on that trip, and he goes, church, we're going to do something a little different tonight. He said, yeah, we've, we're going to pray for a pastor, but tonight we're going to beg God to send us the right pastor. And I've never heard it talked about that. And I said, and I'm thinking, okay, he said, no, we're going we're gonna to plead to God. We're going to take our request to the Lord himself, and we're going we're gonna to ask and beg God to send the man. He said, it's been four and a half months. We need a, this is a village that has no church in it. We need a pastor. And I'll never forget, we knelt and it was hard, hit concrete floor there. We prayed for an hour and 45 minutes. It seemed like about 30 minutes. When I got through, I looked at my watch, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. But I'll tell you this. Every single one of us said the exact same thing. We were all crying. We had been begging God, and we were emotionally, physically, spiritually drained. I've never experienced that before. 
I mean, we just were just, we just went straight to bed. And we all knew that this was, this was a great thing. It was wonderful. Church, two weeks later, we found the pastor. Coincidence? I don't think so. We, we begged God for a pastor, and God heard our prayers and gave us a pastor. That was five years ago, and he's a pastor there in El Dorado, Guatemala. One final story, and then we're going to share something we're going to do this morning. Twelve years ago, twelve years ago, um, I got a phone call, and I may have shared this story a long time ago, but bear with me. It's worth repeating if you've heard this story. But twelve years ago, um, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who he's actually a youth pastor in Somerset, Kentucky, and um, and I was you know I take trips a lot. But he's a youth pastor, and he told me, I want to take a trip with my teens to Romania because that church in Somerset, Kentucky, supports two feeding centers that I actually helped start in Severin and, and also in Lupsia, Romania. And I'll be honest with you. Initially, I spoke, and no offense, um, I just said, you know what, I don't, I don't want to take teenagers on a trip. And, and the reason why I didn't want to take teenagers on a trip is because I once was a youth pastor. <laughs> I understand. I understand. I just don't think I could do this. And I told him originally, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can take the trip. And so after I got off the phone, you know, you hate it when the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you. And he starts speaking to me, and here's what he said. He said, Chuck, you got you to take a trip with these teenagers. I'm like, God, I don't want to take the trip with the teenagers. <laughs> But I called him back up and I said, I tell you what, I'm going to do it. And we left the day after Christmas, about 12 years ago it's been. can't believe it's been that long. But we took it, we took a trip. And um, I'll never forget, I mean, these were great teenagers. There was 14 of them. And uh, it, we had a great trip. We went to see the, the projects that their church um, uh, sponsored. We worked with a missionary there. His name was Rika and Kathy Gonchalia. Rika and Kathy Gonchalia have a great story. Um, they, they actually fled the country. They were Christians living in a communist nation in 1988 before the Iron Curtain fell. And they fled the country, crossed the Danube River, went into old Yugoslavia, got caught, thrown into a concentration camp, and did not speak any English at all. Um, but a, a UN representative for the United States visited that camp. They met them. All they knew in English was, we want to go to America. <laughs> and they said, please take us. And so that man was able to get them out of that and get them to the United States, where they landed in California, right outside of Los Angeles, California. And while they were there, uh, they got into a great church, learned the language of English. And, and in 2002, God called them back as missionaries back to their country of Romania, and they partnered with us, and so we were able to start two, two programs with them. And so I'd already been to Romania twice, so I knew the area and knew, knew them really well. And so while we were there on a Saturday, um, we'd already visited, um, Rika came to me and said, Chuck, he said, do you think the teens and their group would like to go down to a place It's about 45 minutes away? It's a city called Rogova. And they said, we want to go down there. And we have just started about six weeks ago. We started a Bible study in this city. And so we did. 
And I will tell you this, probably is not the best time to go to Romania in December um, because it was 20 degrees, it was snowing, and I mean, it was just a really rough trip as far as the weather goes, but we went down there. He had actually rented uh, a community center in the city. It's a really old city that has maybe about 5,000 people in it, just really rough area though. And so we went there, they invited some kids, we've started playing games with the kids, the teenagers came to me later in the afternoon, and they said, we'd like to see where this church is. And I told them, I said, it's not a church, it's a Bible study. But Rika said, I'll tell you, I'll take you down and let you see where we are meeting. So we went down the street in the snow, went into this old house, walked to the very back room. It's a room about 10 by 10, had little benches in it. He said, this is where we have about 30 people coming to the Bible study every single week. And so the teenagers, they just came to me and they said, they said, you know what, this is not a good place for them to, to meet. And he said, can we, can you help us and maybe we can find us, a, you know, a, a building for them to meet in. I'm like, well, it's not even a church yet and we're talking about a building. And the missionary, Rika, said, you know what, there is a building right down the street. So we walked down the street we saw this old, big, old theater building. You could tell it had been sitting vacant for a while. I didn't realize it had been sitting vacant for about 15 years. It used to be a propaganda during communism where they show movies and things like that. But it had a for sale sign on it. Rika called, and they said that this building was $50,000. $50,000 in American money. Now, the teenagers were a lot like my teenagers, you know, $50,000, $5, that's about the same amount of money. So, so they said, let's buy it. And I said, well, I don't have $50,000. And so anyway, so we thought, I thought, okay, that's the end of this. And so we went back. It started getting late. It started getting dark. It was about 8 o'clock at night. We had a drive, 45-minute drive back. And so I told the teens, let's all get in the vans. We've got to go. And the teens came to me, and they said, hey, Chuck, can we go back to that building? And I told them, I said, why in the world would you want to go back to a building? It's 8 o'clock at night. It's snowing. It's cold. Why do you want to do this? And they told me this. We want to pray and ask God to give that building to this church. And I thought, I said, you know what? Why didn't I think of this? That was my first thing. And so I went back. And let me tell you, church, it was the most humbling experience I've ever seen in my life. I watched these teens get off the bus. I watched them gather, not as a group, but they wanted to get all the way around that building. So about every 10 to 12 feet, there's a teenager kneeling in the snow, praying and asking God to give this building to this brand new church that's not even established yet. And I left there thinking, God spoke to me so much during this trip, but that just ministered to me so much. Now, they knew that they were going to be able to go home and ask their pastor for $50,000. But they went back, they asked their pastor, can we do the $50,000? The pastor said, no way. Because we're in a building program. They're in a $5 million building program. They can't do an extra 50000 But he did allow them to get up and share what took place. 
And do you know that night a dear man came up to the pastor and he said, I don't know how much those teens need for that building, but here's a check for $25,000. The next morning, I get a phone call from them telling me that, that they got $25,000. Do you know about 10 minutes later, I get a phone call from Jerry Abbott, who is our European director, and he was in a church in Burleson, Texas, that day before, and they had a desire to do something and to help a, a project in Romania. And he said, did, did, did you have any kind of ideas of what we can do? And I told him, I said, I need 25000 extra dollars. Do you know, six weeks later, that church raised another, actually $30,000. And I called Rika Gonchalia, and we bought that building down in Romania. Okay, now we have a building, but what are we going to do with the building? It needs repair. Do you know over the next six months, we were able to raise $150,000 to repair that building, and we actually started a church and a feeding center. Do you know today in that city of Rogova, there's a feeding center that feeds about 150 kids. There's a church this morning that's meeting, and they run close to 200 to 250 I haven't talked to them since COVID, but 200, 250, that church is meeting. All because of 14 teenagers that prayed and asked God to bring a building. They went to heaven and God sent a building down. Can you believe that? You think that that's a great, isn't that a great story? Do you know there's icing on top of the cake? Do you know five of those teenagers surrendered to be missionaries? Do you know uh, five years ago, I got a phone call from Bruce O'Neill, our president of MANA. He said, would you, we need you to interview this couple. They, wanna, they want to join MANA and they speak the language of, they, they speak Spanish. They want to go, go to Guatemala and, and they want to work. And so I got on the phone. I was interviewing them. I talked to them. I said, tell me a little bit about your background. What made you become missionaries? What do you want to, how did you do this? You know what they said? We took a trip with you to Romania. And about a year and a half later, they became missionaries in Guatemala. Now, they were there for about two and a half years. They had a baby that could not live in high altitude. I mean, a baby almost died as soon as it was born. They had to immediately get on there and come back to the States. But they're, they're working in the local church there and um, working with uh, adoptions and helping children out. But let me tell you something. If 14 teenagers can pray down a building in Romania, do you think that this church can pray down the pastor that's supposed to be here? You think it can happen? I know it can happen. It's all up to us, church. It's all up to you and asking God. I want you to bow your heads this morning. I, I honestly don't know where you stand. I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions, and then we're just going to, we're going to have a prayer time for your pastor this morning. But first and foremost, how many, nobody's looking around this morning, just me. I'm the only one looking. How many, be honest with me, say, you know what, I'm, I'm part of that first group. There's a lot of things going on in my life right now. And I know I need to pray, but Chuck, will you just pray for me? All, I've, got some, I've got some situations in my life, or I'm part of that third group where I'm sick. I need somebody to pray with me. But you fall under one of those two categories. How many of you raise your hand this morning and say, that's me, that's me, all over the congregation? I'm going to pray for you right now, 
And then we're going to do something a little different this morning. But let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, we come before your throne this morning. God, I have seen you work in my life this week like never before. God, I've failed you. I've sinned in my life. God, you've taken that sin away. You've, you've, you've shown me that I need you. And Lord, we, we have so many this morning that are raising their hands that are saying that they need you this morning. God, whatever need that they have as they pray right now, Lord, that you will hear that prayer and answer that prayer. That, Lord, that they will be able to sense your Holy Spirit and the presence right now as they bring those requests to your throne right now, dear God. I know there's people in here hurting physically. They're worried about situations that are going on in their life because I've talked to them. I know that right now. God, I pray that, Lord, that you will send your Holy Spirit to comfort them right now. Help them during these difficult times. There's people in here that have lost loved ones, worried about marriages, worried about children. God, all these problems that we have, Lord, help us to bring those problems to you that you will take those problems and work those problems out. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. We're going to continue an attitude of prayer. But I'm going to ask you, you know, would you be willing this morning? There's, there's a lot of space up here. If, would you be willing this morning to come, couples, men, whoever would like to, to come and to, to pray for a pastor to really stop right now and just say, you know what, God, we're going we're gonna to pray specifically for the man of God that you have for us. You can go ahead and start getting up. Come on down. Come on down. How many of you be willing to come and pray? Let me tell you something. I've worked for three pastors. Three pastors I've worked for. Two of them were not the men of God that we should have had as pastors. And it almost destroyed churches. How many be willing to come and spend the next few minutes praying that God would bring the right man here?